listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, and Jr. And so uh, today, um, we're going to be dealing with this subject of um, spiritual warfare. And we may we may go further. If I can't get it all in today, we may continue on uh, with it tomorrow and, and throughout the week. Just depends on how much content I can get through. But today, I really wanted to deal with something that I feel is extremely important for you to hear. And uh, we're going to be talking about the biblical, the biblical form of spiritual warfare and stuff we're seeing today that's literally just crazy, stuff that's just crazy. And so we're going to deal with that today, spiritual warfare, biblical or insane versus insane. Why? Because I've seen stuff, I've seen stuff in the last two weeks, especially on Instagram, promoted ads. I've, for, for, I can't, if I, if I say what it is, it might give away who the person is. So I'm not going to say that, but promoted ads for courses, zoom calls, classes, and it's spiritual warfare stuff. And I look at it and I'm like this, I would love to, I'd love to join the courses just to see like what scriptural basis they're using to teach the stuff they're teaching. Cause it's insane. <laughs> it's just straight up insane. So we're going to deal with that today. Um, what is biblical versus what's crazy? What is insane? Why are people so hardcore going after what's insane? I don't, I don't understand it. But we're going to talk about that today and, um, and, and give you some. Today I'm going to give you some uh, guidelines, if you will. What, what does it look like to do spiritual warfare properly? The way that Jesus would do it. The way the apostles would do it. Because let me tell you something. <clears throat> spiritual warfare is a real thing. I'm not by any means making light of spiritual warfare. It's, it's real, but there's a biblical way to do it. And then there's, you know, I don't know if you want to call it the fleshly way or you know, the crazy way, but um, I want to give you some parameters so that you understand what's right and what is wrong, what's biblical and what is crazy. The first thing I want you to do with me is to turn to Luke chapter 10. And uh, we're going to start with this as a a baseline parameter in spiritual warfare. You know, I've been in church really for my entire life. You know, since I was little, I started going to revival services at two weeks old, two weeks old. And um, I've been in services almost every night of my life for my whole life. I've seen a lot of stuff. I've seen a lot of stuff. And um, some of it was uh, people's flesh. Some of it was the Holy Ghost. And you have to be able to distinguish between what is the flesh and what is the Holy Ghost. And um, so I look at, you look back and say, well, what, what did Jesus do? You know, what did the apostles do? What did the early church do? And by the way, if you're just jumping on, welcome. Take a minute to share the broadcast this morning. What did the early church do? You know, what is it that is uh, really the right way to go about dealing with these uh, demonic forces? What is it that's the right way about dealing with oppression, uh, possession, different things like that? Um, 
The first parameter that I want you to put in, if, you, if, you're, if you're writing these in your notes, writing these in the comments, I want you to write this. Um, keep your focus on the Spirit of God rather than the demonic realm. That's number one. Keep your focus on the Spirit of God rather than the demonic realm. This, this right here is, I believe, the foundational principle when it comes to <clears throat> spiritual warfare. Very much so. Keep your focus on the Spirit of God rather than the demonic realm. You get people that are so focused on demons, so focused on the devil, so focused on, uh, you know, what demons are doing. You know, the, 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 you know, we're just, and I don't know where they get their information, but they're always wanting to break down for you the latest uh, plot and plan of demons. You know, this is what demons are doing in the world. And it's like, they're always, if you hear them talk or teach, they're always focused on demons, on the demonic realm, on what's evil. Keep your focus on the spirit of God. Keep your focus on the Holy Ghost. Keep your focus on Jesus. That's really, if you want to be successful in spiritual warfare, you keep your focus on Christ. You keep your focus on the Holy Ghost. Because uh, we already have power over the devil. We don't need to uh, interact with, in that way with the demonic realm. There's, uh, and what happens is <clears throat> it almost becomes so much that it's a distraction. People get so caught up in the demonic realm that it becomes a distraction. And um, I'll say this too, which, which we'll deal with. There's people that will go beyond what the Bible even teaches. Or another thing that I've seen is that people will find one little word or something in the Old Testament and then they'll jump out and start researching uh, things that, you know, uh, well, I'll give you a great example. There are people that will find like, for example, one little Hebrew word that's very obscure in the Bible and then they'll go read all the things that, you know, Jewish, like the rabbis wrote about it, uh, all the, all the, if you want to call it rabbinical folklore, it's not inspired scripture. It's basically commentary from people that aren't even Christians on what that word means, how that demonic entity is acting in the world today and how it's, uh, you know, moving throughout the earth. And so they'll take one obscure word from the Old Testament and go start looking through rabbinical literature and then they'll start uh, going through all of that and building this case on what this 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 demon spirit is and what it's doing and all of that and uh, it's it's insane it's truly insane it's not something you'd find in the scriptures it's not something you find in the in the inspired word of God and again we're keeping our focus on God the Holy Spirit we keep our focus on his word you can't keep your, this would be a great quote if you want to write this down. You can't keep your focus on God without keeping your focus on his word. That's a great quote for anybody that's taking notes or putting it in the comments. You cannot keep your focus on God without keeping your focus on his word. There's no way to. 
You can't separate him from his word. It's impossible. And so you'll see people doing all kinds of stuff that's not in the word of God. It's just simply not there. And you can't even find examples of Jesus or the apostles or the early church doing the things that these people are doing. So you can't keep your focus on God without keeping your focus on his word. And everything that we do needs to be based on his word. No question. So I had you turn to Luke chapter uh, 10. And in a moment, I'm going to read you a passage here. But um, that key is so important as we talk about spiritual warfare, because one of the dangers, as I've said, is that people get carried off. And maybe they just, maybe it's because they just find it really interesting. You know, they want to hear more about the demonic realm. And I understand that even the devil knows that people are interested in the supernatural realm. Why do you think there's so many movies that come out uh, that, that have a supernatural uh, plot or uh, setting? Because the human spirit is interested in the supernatural, whether saved or unsaved. The human spirit is interested in the supernatural. We're built that way. We are supernatural beings. We are built that way. We're built to be interested in and hungry for spiritual things. That's why even unbelievers seek after spiritual things that are demonic. Ouija boards, seances, all all these different things. Uh, um, Fortune tellers. Why do you think? Because we are spiritual beings that are built to be interested in spiritual things. Now, Unbelievers are not interested in godly things. The Bible says that uh, they, they are literally enemies of God. They think the things of God to be foolishness, cannot understand them. So they're not interested in godly things, but they are interested in spiritual things. And we can see that just by where Hollywood's willing to spend all their money to put these movies out and different things like that. So we are spiritual beings. But the key, the parameter that we set Keep your focus on God and his word, the Holy Ghost, rather than on demons. That way you're never carried off doing things that Jesus never did, doing things that the apostles never did, and that the early church never did. And so I want to show you Jesus' focus as he's dealing with his apostles and his disciples. And Luke chapter 10, we're going to read um, about four verses of scripture starting in verse 17. Listen to this. Then the 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. Get that. Even the demons are subject to us in your name. Verse 18, and Jesus said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Verse 19. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Now, verse 20 is the revealing verse. You ready for this? Verse 20. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, but that your that, that spirits are subject unto you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Get that. Jesus took their focus off of the demonic and put it back on what God was doing. Isn't that interesting? They came back wanting to talk about 
how demons are coming out and all the de- all the all the de- demonic activity that they've seen and all the demonic activity that they took authority over and the demons are subject. Jesus changed their focus. He said, "Don't rejoice that demons are subject unto unto you. Let me give you something higher to rejoice about. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven." Notice that. He put their focus back on God, back on heaven. Why? Because we don't focus on demons. We don't focus on demons. We focus on God. We focus on his word. We focus on the Holy Spirit. That's what's important. That's what's powerful is the Holy Spirit. It's the Lord. And so demons, I mean, we know that already. Demons are under our feet. We have authority over everything in the demonic. We don't need to focus on it. We don't need to focus on it. It's already done. It doesn't need to be the, uh, the um, subject of our discussions. Demons are already defeated, already under our feet. And so by keeping that initial parameter, you'll, you'll ensure that you're never carried off into you know, weird things or the wrong focus where everything you do is about demons and the demonic and you know, all of that. No, you'll never be carried off into that because your focus is on Christ. Your focus is on the Holy Spirit. And that's, that is a key because, man, maybe, maybe you've, you've seen the same. I, I'd be actually interested. Throw your hands up in the comments if you've encountered uh, these believers that are just so focused on the demonic, so focused on demons, you know. And, and one of the things, now, I'll say this to you. There are so-called deliverance ministries that are, that are around today, deliverance ministries, that have gotten so weird like I'm not even joking you, have gotten so weird that I can't even I can't even watch it. Like I've seen clips on YouTube, I've seen clips online. I can't even watch it because it's it's gotten so weird. It becomes a performance. Now let me tell you, I can speak on this because not only have I, you know, cast demons out and and you know been operating in the power of the Holy Ghost for 20 years in full time ministry, but I've been blessed to be around some of the greatest deliverance ministries in my lifetime and watch other deliverance ministries that I didn't get to be around where I saw what true deliverance is, you know, and those that I saw that were literally, I'm talking real deliverance ministries. You go back and watch A.A. Allen, a real deliverance ministry. You go back and watch Brother R.W. Shambach, a real deliverance ministry. Healing and deliverance. And let me tell you, you don't see the, uh, the craziness, the theatrics in those ministries that you do in these, many of these today. Where it's just, stuff is so, it's gotten so weird. You know, I don't, I, don't, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, if you've seen it. But it's just, it's so, it's all for show. It's all for show. Why do you have to put on a show? You know, and, and maybe I'll, maybe I'll talk more about that as we move forward. But like, you know, it's like you vomit, vomit it out. Now you throw the demon up. It's like, where's that in the Bible? And I've seen all, I've seen all these things. I've seen them happen. 
But why are we more focused on the weird stuff than we are on what the Bible teaches? <laughs> I was watching one the other day. Take the crown off your head. Now, like, there's no crown on the person. The person's just like a normal person in a t-shirt and jeans getting delivered. Now, take that demonic crown off your head. Take the belt off. It's like, what are you doing? What are you talking about? <laughs> take out your samurai swords. It's like, what, what are you doing? What are you doing? What is that? What is that? Where is that in the Bible? We don't see Jesus having 40-minute interactions with a demon-possessed person. We don't see the apostles having 40-minute sessions with demon-possessed people, nor the early church. They cast it out. They cast it out, and it came out. They cast the demon out, and it came out. Amen. And you don't, you don't see that. You don't see that in the scripture. You'll see that. In true deliverance ministries, demons come out, and they have to go. You'll sit there and have a conversation with them and have them undress. <laughs> Unagi. You don't, you don't sit there and have them take off every piece of demonic armor. What are you doing? Now the stuff is like, you know, it's going viral because, oh man, it's so interesting. It's, it's, yeah, it's the spirit of mutant, teenage mutant ninja turtles. And it's just, it's, it's, it's gotten wacky. It's gotten wacky. And so keep Jesus as the focus. Keep the Holy Ghost as the focus. Keep the word of God as the focus of what you're doing. And then watch and see what the Lord will do. Um, on to, on adding on piggybacking, if you will, on this last foundational principle, let me talk about this for a minute. People should stop trying to focus on identifying demons by name. Stop doing that. Stop doing that. People are trying always to identify demons by name. It's like, I see this often. You know, it's like, we've got a python spirit. We got a, a jackal spirit. We got a hyena spirit. It's been laughing at us. <laughs> oh yeah. And then they start going off and naming all these demons. Trying to trying to get all these oh yeah, the list full list of names. We got this demon. <laughs> we got this spirit. And, and here's the problem. The only place that they could base this on in Scripture is Mark chapter 5, where I'll have you to turn there now. Mark chapter 5. Got the spirit of Sandra. <laughs> and I'm just telling you, and I'm sure you guys have seen this stuff. And all, all these different all these different all these different names. Well, let me say, the only place where they could build a case for this in scripture is Mark chapter 5. And Mark chapter 5 
the Bible says that Jesus, in verse, verses 8 and 9, uh, because what was happening was the, the, the demons were begging Jesus not to torment them. For he was saying, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, what's your name? And he replied, my name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send him out of the country. But if you read down through the story, here's what you'll find that's interesting. This is the only time that we see in the New Testament where Jesus or the apostles, early church, ever asked for the name of a demon or demons. But here's the more interesting thing. Go read down through the rest of the passage and tell me what Jesus did with that name. What did Jesus do once he had the knowledge of that name? Can anybody put it in the comments? What did Jesus do with that name? What did he do with the knowledge of that name? We'll see who gets it right. First person in the chat that gives me the answer. Nothing. That's right, Mike Frost. He did nothing with the name. He did nothing with the name. That's right, Liz. People got it. Nothing. He didn't do anything with the knowledge of the name. But see, there's people that the way they teach, you got to identify it by name. You got to know what demon is over your city. You got to identify who that demon is, what it's been sent to do. If you listen to some of these teachers, I mean, it's crazy. You got to identify who that demon is. You got to identify what that demon's sent to do. What is its personality? You know, what's its Enneagram number? What is that demon sent to do? And it's, it's, they've gotten so much. They've gotten so much concerned with the names of demons. I mean, I don't even know where they find the names unless they just feel like they're, it's getting revealed to them by the Lord. It's like they've gotten so involved in finding the names of the demons that that's the focus. They'll do whole, I mean, I've seen guys do whole broadcasts on how to deal with this demon. And it's a, it's a name. How to deal with this demon. Well, she comes in the night. She seduces your husband. <laughs> she comes in the window. And uh, they've gotten so involved in that. It's not in scripture. Jesus didn't identify the, the name of the demon so that he could cast him out. He cast him out anyway. Right. Spirit of Jezebel. It's the spirit of Jezebel. And so they've, they've identified these demons by, by, by name and then they'll do a whole broadcast. They'll do a whole podcast. They'll do a whole Zoom call on how to deal with that specific demon. How to deal with that specific demon. Yeah. It's not in the Bible. Even, and by the way, for those of you that are wondering, this is the only passage that anyone could use in the New Testament where 
Jesus, the apostles, or, or the early church ever referenced a name of a demon. And that's why I'm pointing it out, because even after the name was given, nothing was done with the name. It's not like Jesus got the name and then was like, oh, so you're, oh, I got it. So you're legion. Let me pray a different way then. I've got a legion prayer right in here. Pull that out. Bam, be delivered. Now, Jesus didn't care. Jesus didn't care. He didn't use the information. He didn't, he didn't change his authority. He didn't change. You see? Well, let's go over to Acts chapter 16. I'll give you another example, but I'm also going to use it to point something out to you. Acts chapter 16. The Legion prayer. Watch out. Got that Legion prayer for you. Acts chapter 16, and I want to read to you verses uh, 16 through 18. Acts 16, verses 16 through 18. Listen, this is Paul and Silas. And as we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her owners much gain By fortune-telling, she followed Paul and us, crying out, These men are servants of the Most High God, who proclaim to you the way of salvation. And this she kept doing for many days. And Paul, having become greatly annoyed, (laughs) as demons will do to you, turned and said to the Spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out that very hour. So for example, now I want to deal with Johnny's question because this is where I was headed next. When you see this passage in acts, because notice what the Bible said that she was battling a spirit of divination. So we understand that there are different types of attacks, right? So it's all right to, by the discerning of spirits. Now this is what the, one of the things that the gifts of the Spirit accomplish. This is one of the things that the discerning of spirits accomplishes. It it doesn't just allow you to discern demon spirits. It also allows you to discern human spirits, discern spirits of angels and the Spirit of God, but demon spirits. Jesus was able to know when something was an unclean spirit. Now that's in the Bible. We see that in Scripture. There was a young boy in Mark chapter 9 who was battling an unclean spirit spirit. That's a type of spirit. He didn't ask for its name. He didn't ask for the demon's name, but he understood what type of spirit it was. It's an unclean spirit. And then here, although Paul and Silas didn't ask for the name, he recognized that it was a spirit of divination. Uh, The same could be said in Luke chapter, what is it? Luke chapter 13, where Jesus is in, uh, the temple and recognizes that there's a woman there who needs uh, a miracle. And he recognized as Luke chapter 13 starts in verse 10. He recognized that she was dealing with a spirit of infirmity, right? So there's a type, there are types of spirits, but notice that even though Jesus knew it was an unclean spirit, spirit of divination, notice that it was a spirit of infirmity. He never asked for the name of, of any of those demons. Nobody was trying to locate their personality. What's your name? 
And there are people that'll sit around and teach that you have to determine the name. You have to defi- you have to find the name of the demon. You have to locate when it entered your life. I heard one person teaching that you have. To, this is I'm not, I am not joking about this. I was in a service person taught you have to time travel by the Holy Ghost back to the place where that spirit entered your life and your bloodline of your family, and you have to cut that out in that in that in the past. You got to go back. Right. So in all seriousness, this stuff's being taught to Christians. You got to identify the personality, the name. You got to buy the Holy Spirit, time travel back to the point where it entered your family, your bloodline. You've got to get that out of your life from that point. It's like, that's not in the Bible. That's not in the Bible. It's not in the scripture. It's not in the scripture. And so people have gotten crazy. They've gotten insane with this stuff. They've gotten insane with this stuff. <laughs> Liz said, if I time travel, I'm changing more than that. <laughs> That's right, Liz. I'm buying, I'm buying Google stock. Anyway, um, they'll come in and teach you that you have to identify the personality, the name of the demon. You've got to go through. And this is like, are you serious? Are you serious? This is the stuff being taught to Christians. And then we wonder why the charismatic uh, and, and Pentecostal churches have gotten so wacky. They've gotten so wacky. Because people won't just abide by the scripture. Do what the Bible says. Abel's talking about generational curses. If you've been on here for any period of time, you know that I do not believe in generational curses within the Christian community. I don't believe that you can be a Christian suffering from a generational curse. Because how can any demon curse what God's already blessed? How can any devil curse what God's already blessed? Maybe I'll take some more time later this week to deal with that. But I'm I'm talking about this subject because it's so vital that people get this. There's a right way to do it. There's a wrong way to do it. We're definitely focusing on Christ. We're definitely focusing on the Holy Ghost. We're not focusing on demons. Although we cast them out, although we have authority over them, I'm not always walking around trying to look for a demon and everything. You know, and then there's some people, anything that goes wrong, it's a demon. (laughs) It's funny because we've seen this so much, it's so ridiculous to me that we're on the road. I'll have Zach Zach with me, uh, who helps me on the road. And uh, anything that goes wrong, we'll jokingly say it. I'd be like, I'd be like, man, my charger died. I can't, this charger's not working anymore. And I'll, I'll say something like, well, have you considered that maybe it's a charger demon that's trying to attack your charger? Take authority over it. It's like, man, I, I mean, anything that it is, I don't care. This, this man, the restaurant said they're out of the, uh, restaurant said they got no more bacon in the back today. I wanted a bacon cheeseburger. There's no more. It's like, man, I got a bacon demon in this, in this restaurant. <laughs> there's, there's people like that for real. There's people like that for real, that anything that happens in, in life, oh, it's a demon, brother. That's a demon. You got, yeah, you got an Android demon. I don't, I don't know why. I don't know why my computer keeps restarting and won't boot up. You got a PC demon. And it's, it's like, I'm telling you, it's like they're so focused on what's demonic that everything becomes demonic. Everything's demonic. You got them plumbing demons. It's back, my plumbing's backing up in the house. Got a plumbing demon in the pipes. 
<laughs> Everything's a demon. Well, they've gotten so crazy about it that every single thing there is, it's, it's become a demon. It's a demon, brother. And, and, and you know, let me be honest with you. A lot of stuff that people deal with. Now, I'm not saying that the demonic realm is not real. You know I believe it. I'm Pentecostal. We've cast out demons. I, I know that. It's real as can be. But much of the problems, many of them, that people are dealing with, it's not a demon. Most people are dealing with things that their own bad choices have produced. That's I've, listen, after 20 years of full-time ministry, I can tell you for sure that the average thing that people are dealing with is the effects, the harvests of their own wrong choices. They've not crucified their flesh. They've not uh, abided by the word of God. They've not done what the Lord has asked them to do. And then they're going through stuff. You need to pray for me. There's a demon after me. There's no demon after you. There's no demon after you. You've made the choices the Lord told you not to make. Or simply didn't abide by the scripture. See? And so, uh, we got to keep that in our minds. We have to focus on Christ, not on the devil. And we're not looking for names. Now, we can understand that there are types of, of attacks that come. Right? <laughs> that'd, be, that'd be a great for somebody's house, Brit. It's not a demon. It's disobedience. It's not a demon, it's disobedience. It's a great, in fact, I want you to put that in the comments. It's not always the case. There are, there are spiritual attacks, but there are many times. It's not a demon, it's disobedience. So I want you to, I want you to see with me now. Let's go to, um, let's go to Ephesians chapter 6. And... Um, See what Paul taught about this subject. Ephesians chapter 6. And um, as you know, we're going to read starting in verse 10. As he steps into this new topic on spiritual warfare and the armor of God. And I want you to get this now. Look. It says, finally. He's finishing his letter here with this. Finally, be strong in the Lord. And in the strength of his might. So once again, it's the anointing. If it's not the anointing, we've got nothing. If it's not the anointing, we've got nothing. Be strong in the Lord. And in the, the strength or the power of his might. Now put on the whole armor of God. That you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, here it is, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, so you know this when you're studying the Bible, anytime you see a therefore, you need to find out what it's there for. And it's always referring back to what was just previously said. So the next thing that's being said is referring to or because of the previous thing that's being said. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. 
So notice that because, so here's what Paul's writing. Because we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, because we're not fighting against people, but against spirits, wickedness, spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. So because we are put on the whole armor of God. So here's the real key. You want to talk about doing spiritual warfare the proper way, the proper way. It starts by doing what Paul taught and putting on the full armor of God. What will it let you do? It will allow you to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. So this is what happens when you do spiritual warfare properly. It allows you to withstand every attack of the devil. And how do you do it? By putting on the full armor of God. Well, let's talk about that. The full armor of God. Well, it starts with the belt of truth. What's going to hold this whole thing together is the belt of truth. This is the truth right here. The mighty word of the almighty God. This is the truth we're looking for. This is what holds it all together. Put on the belt of truth. Not only that, put on the breastplate of righteousness. So the thing that's going to guard all that, look at that, the breastplate, it really guards every major vital organ. That's the thing that's going to keep your heart guarded. All of that lungs, all guarded by the breastplate. Notice that what is it in God's kingdom? Righteousness, righteousness, being in right standing with God. Being in right standing with God is going to keep you in a place where all of the most important elements of your life are guarded. Righteousness. Go on further. As shoes for your feet, put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. The gospel of peace. So once again, we're back to the word of God. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Mm. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer, supplication to that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. So let me break this down. When you look at the armor of God, there are really just two elements. Two elements that make up all the pieces of the word of God. And those two elements are the word of God and righteousness. Righteousness. So let's break it down one more time. Number one, what's first? The belt of truth. That is the word of God. Truth is the word of God. The breastplate of righteousness. That is righteousness. It's, it says it there in the name. Put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. The gospel of peace is the word of God. The shield of faith. How does, the, how does faith come? By hearing the word of God. So get this. There is no shield of faith without hearing the word of God. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. And then keep going. Uh, the helmet of salvation. What is that? Righteousness. Salvation is righteousness. And then of what? The final thing. The sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So you break all those pieces down 
and they are all made with the word of God and with righteousness. The two main elements of spiritual warfare are the word of God and righteousness. You need to put that in the comments today. Put it in your notes. The two main elements of spiritual warfare are the word of God and righteousness. The two main elements of spiritual warfare are the word of God and righteousness. Paul's teaching it here. He's teaching it. And then the third that he teaches, word of God, righteousness, and prayer. So the three elements that we have to lean on anytime we're doing spiritual warfare, the word of God, righteousness, and prayer. Those are the three that Paul lists when he's talking about standing against wickedness in in heavenly places. Now look, let me read about prayer. After you've established the word of God and righteousness, and then praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. So when you're talking about praying in the spirit here, there are, I've heard this, there are people that will say, well, that just means praying empowered by the spirit, but all prayer is spiritual. All prayer is spiritual. I've always thought that that was such a dumb argument that people make. Well, that just means praying empowered by the Spirit. No, it doesn't. All prayer is empowered by the Spirit. All prayer to God is empowered by the Spirit of God. It's a spiritual discipline. It's a spiritual discipline. Paul actually means praying in the Spirit, like praying in tongues, praying in your heavenly language, praying in the Spirit. So spirit prayer, praying in tongues, is a major part of spiritual warfare. Also, he said, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. Well, that really could be uh, said all kinds of prayer with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance making supplication for all the saints. So notice that it's not just prayer in the Holy Ghost, but it is. But notice he said, but with all prayer. That means with all kinds of prayer, all types of prayer. Get this now. With all prayer and supplication. And I love this part. And keep alert. So here's something that people could without question employ and, and, and immediately begin. Keep alert. Keep alert. See, what do you mean by that? We have to have a constant awareness that there are things happening in the spirit world. Now we're talking about the right way to do things now. I'm not doing this in, a, I'm not talking about some you know, crazy thing, but there is a real spiritual realm and we do need to keep alert. We do need to keep alert because the devil is working to try to destroy families, to try to destroy ministries, to try to destroy callings, 
And so you do need to keep alert. No question. And this is something that I believe does not get talked about enough. One of the sad things that I'm seeing in our generation is people have kind of put their Christian life, it's like everything's gone to surface level. It's so shallow. You know, when you see that the, the series being preached at churches is like four ways to have better work relationships. Like, what does that have to do with my Christianity? Four ways to have better work relationships. It's a waste of time. You can get that in a business book at Barnes & Noble. Right? And we've allowed Christianity to become so surface level that people are no longer alert to the attacks of the devil, to the, uh, as Paul told us, we should not be ignorant of the devil's devices. So what do we do? This is something that was commanded multiple times to the churches. Stay alert. So it was commanded uh, to the Ephesians there. But look at this. Peter gives the same command to the churches in Asia Minor. 1 Peter chapter 5. I'll start reading with verse 6. Humble yourselves. This is 1 Peter 5, 6. six. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. But look at verse 8. Be sober-minded and be watchful. Be watchful. Because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Verse 9, resist him, firm in your faith knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. So listen now, what is Peter encouraging the churches of Asia Minor? Be sober-minded, be watchful. That's the same thing that Paul commanded the church in Ephesus. Be alert. Be alert. There is stuff going on. There are attacks that come against the people of God. There are things, there are demonic forces at work. You've got authority over them, but there are demonic, and you've got to be alert, sober-minded, watchful, so that when he comes to try to uh, devour you, you resist him. You resist him. Hallelujah. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. I love that. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. But as we're starting on this topic today, and tomorrow I'm going to break down and get into that. Tomorrow I'm going to really get into how to, in a scriptural way, in a proper proper way, 
How do you truly resist the devil? We hear it all the time. Resist the devil. He'll flee. What's the tomorrow's, tomorrow's broadcast? The biblical method for resisting the devil to make him flee from you. What does flee mean? To run from someone in terror. To run in terror from someone. And so you get this. But number one, here today, we're keeping our focus on Christ, keeping our focus on the Holy Ghost, not on demons. And we're not trying, we're not trying to identify demons by name. If you see that stuff, I tell you, be, be wary of it. You see it online. People are always trying to like name. I saw this demon. Be wary of it. But notice the armor of God, the three elements that we talked about, righteousness, the word of God, prayer. Tomorrow we're going to deal with how can we properly and biblically resist the devil and cause him to flee from every one of our homes forever. Gone. And so there's people that live day after day under attack. Day after a day being harassed by the enemy. Day after day, demonic influence, demonic forces. They can't seem to get free. Tomorrow we're going to deal with that because it's important. God doesn't want you to be struggling through life from one demonic attack to the other. He wants you to be free, walk in dominion and authority over every single one of those things. Every single one. You're not called to go from issue to issue, problem to problem. You're called to go from victory to victory, faith unto faith, grace unto grace. Amen? And you're called to increase steadily in Jesus' mighty name. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for your precious people today. Lord, I thank you that you are using them, that you're touching them, blessing them. I ask you in Jesus' name. That today, whoever has been experiencing an attack of the enemy against their family, their mind, their body, today we rebuke it in Jesus' name. We come in to loose its grip on them and let go. From this day forward, total freedom in their family, total freedom in their mind, in their body. We thank you, Lord. You'll get all the praise. You'll get all the glory for what's about to happen. In Jesus' mighty name, we thank you and we give you glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Listen, here we are in the month of April. We're getting ready to have uh, Easter Sunday, this coming Sunday. We just had Palm Sunday. And uh, I want to encourage you, as we're focused on the passion of Christ uh, in this month of April, I want to encourage you to stand with us. I can't even begin to tell you all of the testimonies that have come back. People healed. Can I give you one of the testimonies that's so awesome? Is that when we were in Ithaca, there was a woman who was battling uh, a cyst in her breast with scar tissue and all this stuff. Doctors were going to have to deal with it. They were, they were working with her. In the revival, the Lord touched her, and she went back to the doctor during the revival. MRI, mammogram, the cyst was completely gone, and even the scar tissue was completely gone. Souls are being saved. This is what you're a part of as you're partnering with this ministry. So I want to encourage you today. If you've not yet partnered with us, stand with us in partnership. Maybe you could sow $100 a month, $250 a month, even $85 a month. Go to MiracleWord.com and click the partner page and stand with us. Maybe you feel to sow a one-time seed today. Sow that seed by faith and watch what God will do. And for everybody that's standing with us in the month of April, 
uh, in partnership, we want to send you this book by Dr. Cho, The Holy Spirit, My Senior Partner, Understanding the, the Gifts of the Spirit and the Holy Spirit Himself. This will be a massive blessing to you. That's for those that are standing with us at $85 or more. For those that are standing at $250 or more, we're also going to include the book by Dr. Philip Keller, A Shepherd Looks at Psalm 23. This is, I've referenced this book on the broadcast before, um, uh, how we can understand from looking at the story of a natural shepherd, uh, the importance of all of the different elements of Psalm 23. It is revelatory. You'll love it. And then for those that sow $1,000 or more this month, we're going to also include the Net Study Bible uh, in the uh, 60,000 translators notes that go with it. It's an excellent, excellent study Bible. And uh, this is our, our way of saying thank you to you for staying, staying with us and standing with us. Um, what a testimony, Mary Sue. Our business has grown so much since we sowed in January that we've hired one guy and looking at hiring a second guy. That's phenomenal. That's absolutely amazing. Never-ending increase in Jesus' mighty name. That's what we're believing for. And so I can't wait. I can't wait for tomorrow in the morning how to properly resist the devil and make sure he flees from you. I'm glad to be home. Listen, for all of you that are signed up for Bible Study Made Simple, look forward to, uh, to seeing you inside the group. It begins today. All the new content dropped today. And now every Monday, there will be new content that is made available to you guys. And uh, I can't wait to get involved. It's going to be great. Those you missed out, but you'd like to join us later, we're going to reopen registration in the fall. And we'd love to have you be a part of it then. I love you guys. Have a great day today. And uh, I'll talk to you again tomorrow in the morning. Later. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.